1: Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Robin Minter-Smyers, a partner at Thompson Hine and President of the City Club's Board of Directors. It's my pleasure to introduce today's forum. It's a conversation about Say Yes Cleveland. In January, Cleveland was selected as the fourth community chapter of Say Yes to Education, a national nonprofit organization that works in the public schools to help students graduate from high school prepared for a post-secondary education and provides tuition scholarships to make that education affordable. Since its launch in January, Say Yes Cleveland has been hard at work. Members of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District's 2019 graduating class are starting college right now with Say Yes Cleveland scholarships. When the Cleveland schools started a new school year two weeks ago, Say Yes Cleveland rolled out new support services for 16 of the Cleveland public schools aimed at helping all students from kindergarten through high school succeed emotionally, socially, and academically. Within the next four years, all Cleveland public schools will receive these services. Say Yes Cleveland is still in its early stages, so there's still a lot for us to learn and discuss. How is Say Yes Cleveland serving as a complement to efforts already underway through the Cleveland Plan, the city's plan for transforming the schools? Will Say Yes Cleveland truly be a game changer for Cleveland's youth and our region's future economic development? We've assembled a distinguished panel of local leaders to share their thoughts and perspectives. Guiding today's conversation is IdeaStream executive editor Joe Froelich. He joined the staff at IdeaStream in 2017 after spending three decades at the Plain Dealer. A native of northern Illinois, Mr. Froelich earned his undergraduate degree from Northwestern University's um, uh, School of Journalism and attended graduate school at the University of California, Berkeley. In 2017, he was inducted into the Press Club of Cleveland's Journalism Hall of Fame. Mr. Froelich, I now turn the forum over to you to introduce our esteemed panel.
2: Thanks. Thanks, Robin. It's it's always a pleasure to be here at the City Club, and especially today for a conversation about this game-changing opportunity for our city and its future. Uh, We're going to talk about the opportunity with four people who have been working to improve Cleveland for many years on many fronts and have been involved with this particular effort long before many of us heard about it, or certainly before it went public. Uh, And they've now all come together around Say Yes and its potential to transform generations of children, their families, and neighborhoods, not to mention the entire economic health of the region. So I'm gonna go down the line, introduce them in alphabetical order. Hopefully I get this right since there's a lot of teachers in the room, I wanna make sure I got it. Uh, Diane Downing is executive director of Say Yes Cleveland, responsible for all its operations and partnerships. For more than 30 years in both the public and private sector, she's carried out many important, if often unseen, tasks for this community. Serving as COO of the host committee for the Republican National Convention in 2016, expanding Huntington Bank's community involvement as a senior vice president, and overseeing construction of Brown Stadium, which, as I recall, she brought in on time and on budget, if maybe not a little under budget. Pretty good? Pretty good. She was close. Uh, I like to think of Diane as one of the enduring legacies of George Voinovich, who brought a cohort of bright young people to City Hall and told them to go fix things by working harder and smarter and doing more with less. Lee Friedman has been CEO of College Now Greater Cleveland since 2010. She and her team helped students from middle school through adulthood prepare to attend, pay for, and succeed in post-secondary education whether the goal is a certificate, a (coughs) four-year degree, or something in between. One of College Now's specialties is pairing first-generation college students with mentors who help them negotiate life on campus, both in and out of the classroom. And I have a a feeling you're going to hear more about that last role before uh, Robin rings the gong again. (laughs) Before joining College Now, Lee ran three critically important nonprofits, Cleanland Ohio, the Cleveland Leadership Center, and the Downtown Cleveland Partnership. Eric Gordon, the man who says he has 37,000 students as of today. (coughs) 37,000 children, Children I should say, Uh, because he really cares about those kids, as you will hear. Uh, He has been a chief executive officer of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District since 2011. Before that, he was the district's chief academic officer. He began his career as a classroom teacher in New Orleans, and Eugene Sanders brought him to Cleveland from an administrative post in suburban Columbus. Eric led creation and implementation of the Cleveland Plan to transform the city's schools, and this city's voters have shown their confidence in it and in him by twice approving major tax levies to carry out the mission. Dr. Monica Price has been Mayor Mayor Frank Jackson's Chief Education Officer since 2007. In that role, she's worked with Eric on the Cleveland Plan, also helped initiate Preach for CLE, the Higher Education Compact, the Cleveland Transformation Alliance, as well as Say Yes to Education, in which, as you'll hear, the city is a key partner. She also manages the, Frank, the Mayor Frank G. Jackson Scholarship Program, chairs the Mayor's Youth Development Committee, and organizes the Mayor's Annual Youth Summit. In, so, in short, this former teacher and principal is all about lifetime learning and community commitment to education. So it's time to let's begin the conversation. Uh, Say Yes to Cleveland, to Education in Cleveland, launched here with considerable hoopla back in January. And for several years there have been stories about the possibility of the program coming. So I think a lot of people in Greater Cleveland probably think they grasp the, the basic concepts. But I want to ask each of you, as you make your rounds and talk to people about Say Yes in boardrooms and church basements, what do you find that people still don't know about Say Yes? What it is, how it operates, that maybe they should. Or to put it another way, what do they think they know about Say Yes that maybe they have wrong? So Eric, why don't you, why don't you tee it up as the person who probably has been the, the most forward and out there on this program. Sure, thank you, Joe. I, I would say um,
3: people still don't fully appreciate or understand what Say yes is at its core. Uh, say yes is about creating capital and social capital for our kids and families here in Cleveland that middle and upper middle income families already enjoy. And it's really important to understand that as, as, a, as the core principle of it. So the capital is the scholarship Uh, that the student receives or the services that the student receives but the social capital is that mentor through college now who is staying in touch with that child throughout their experience and as they start to finish that credential that two or four-year degree is able to say hey i know lee freeman down the street i can pass that diploma your resume to her just like kids from middle and upper middle income families have in the service side it is not only having health, mental health, legal, after school programming, summer programming. But it's having the social capital so that when a student does something that is you know, not, not a smart move, but teenagers make some bad decisions, that they don't end up just in the system, but that there's the social capital that we have to say, you just did something wrong and we're gonna intervene just like we would do with our families and our children and make sure that, that, that there's restitution or uh, diversion or something else and not simply, a, in a legal sense, uh, into the pipe kind of a problem. And so I think as I continue to talk with people about it, they understand more and more the mechanics of Say Yes, but not actually the spirit of Say Yes, which is creating that capital and social capital for my kids and families.
2: Okay. Diane, you are the... Uh, the, the prime for you are running this program, you are the day to day responsibility for this. What do you, what do you find? What, what are the things that, what are the gaps that we still need to fill in in our understanding of the program and how it works?
4: Well, I think we all need to know that Say Yes provides two big things for Cleveland students, uh, and those things are the support services that will uh, be wrapped around our children. From the time they enter kindergarten until they graduate from high school and then the second part are the scholarships uh, for post-education the support services uh, will begin this year in 16 CMSD schools in six high schools and 10 K through eights. we will uh, be ramping up and over the next four years these support services will be provided in every school And they include uh, things like after school and summer programming, legal services, mental health counseling, and a family support specialist, a person who is stationed in every school and can connect our students to these services and refer them to community agencies to help them so that when a student goes into a classroom in the morning, they are ready to learn because these other issues have been taken off the table and addressed. Yesterday, I spent some time with our family support specialists. They're on board. They're working in our first cohort of 16 schools. They're excited. They have already become part of the communities there. They've referred students and their families to services. And this is really just the beginning. Um, in addition, the second part, as I said, are the scholarships. And I think the community um, just needs to know a little bit more about that. Therefore, tuition only and thereafter federal and state grants have been exhausted by a student. Um, therefore, any public university, two-year college program, or Pell-certified program in the state of Ohio at our Ohio universities and colleges and a student does not need a minimum grade point average to get this scholarship but what they do need to do is they need to live in the Cleveland Metropolitan School District for all four years of their high school education and they need to be they need to attend a CMSD or partnering charter high school for four years um, we also, through Say yes National, because we're a Say yes city, we, there are 120 private colleges and universities across the country that will also accept Say yes Scholars. And finally, that we're here for the long term. We're here for 25 years of scholarship awards. But there's another thing that I don't think most of you know, and that's that this week I had a great phone conversation with Alan Roskam. And he is the CEO of Breakthrough Schools. And I told him that we had executed fully the memorandum of understanding between Say Yes National and Breakthrough Schools. And that will make it possible for four campuses at Breakthrough to apply to be part of Say Yes, part of the services that we provide. And those applications will be looked at in the second cohort of schools. So, this is truly a community partnership. This is bringing everyone together so that we can help our children and make sure that they have access to opportunity, not only while they're in school, but after they graduate and become members of our community.
2: Dr. Monica Price. Yes. What, uh, again, you are, you've worked a lot in, in, and as, as I mentioned, the whole realm of education from preschool through, through college already. Yes say yes, what what will it add to it, and what are you hearing that people need to know about? Do you think people still need to know more about this program?
5: I think people need to know the intentional, purposeful collaboration that we have in all of the education initiatives that we have in our city. But before I speak about that, I want to just um, ground it in some context relative to why post-secondary education is important. And so there are policymakers out there who created these goals and when we look at the jobs and careers, in 2020, just next year, 65% of all jobs and careers will, will require some form of post-secondary education. And that, um, it's also, post-secondary education, it's also a revitalization tool. And so the CEOs for Cities um, talent dividend said, if we increase just 1% of post-secondary educational attainment rates in the Ohio, uh, our region, it will add about $2.5 billion to our region annually. So that's the case for why we really need to be looking at um, post-secondary educational attainment. And so Mayor Jackson looked at the educational landscape in our city. And he brought together an eclectic group of community stakeholders um, to mobilize, raise public will around this social cause with a common agenda. And with that, he said um, put all of your uh, ideolo- uh, ideologies aside, albeit noble, um, but we're gonna focus on, on this post-secondary education. And so what we're trying to do here is close that achievement gap, strengthen student outcomes, and and look at how can we increase that post-secondary educational attainment. And we looked at, in in collaborating, we call this the collective impact. And it is unprecedented how we've come together. I want to thank and acknowledge um, our county executive because when the mayor brought us all together, his leadership and his partnership with us and how they have, the county has come together on all fronts and, and really lifting this effort has been um, fantastic for us, so thank you for that. And so when Say Yes came to us and we were in that courting stage, we, what we recognize is this collective impact was like the precursor of the governance structure for Sayest Education, and it was work that we were already steeped in. We were already doing it. So it made our journey um, a little more, I'll say expeditious, and Eric always says, you know what, we're gonna do it the Cleveland way. Um, We did it a little, it it took us a little less uh, time to um, bring it to fruition here, but um, nevertheless, it's here, and we're excited about the work.
6: (laughs) <laughs> that um, I, would, I would say this, that um, you know, my colleagues have covered a lot of what people don't know, but I think on a, on a more granular level, I think there's a misnomer that students coming from um, high poverty communities um, can go to college for free. That, that's one thing that I, I want to talk about. The second is that culture, family culture, in terms of what your expectations are for your children don't matter in terms of going, if you go to high school, somehow these kids go to college. And I think what we have found um, locally, but there nationally too, is that one, college is not affordable, often for even middle-class families. For students coming from low-income families, yes, there are some pieces in place, but in fact, the obstacles can be $9,000, $10,000 a year to even go to a state school. Um, And that isn't really solvable. Monica referenced the fact that two-thirds of the jobs being created require some kind of post-secondary credential. So part of what CES is doing is taking that obstacle away. But the other really important piece is that it's changing the hope, aspirations, and culture Mm -hmm. in our community. So every student knows from day one that they have the opportunity to fulfill their dreams, that there is an expectation they will, but there's the means to do it. The social services break down um, obstacles that sometimes students coming from uh, low-income families face. Um, they're comprehensive. You know, I'm sure we can answer more questions about that later. But having that hope out there Knowing for 25 years, changing the way the adults in the buildings think about this, and then supporting students every step of the way once they're in their post-secondary experience—that's really the game changer that this will take care of over the course of really two generations.
2: When you talk about um, when you talk about changing hope or giving hope, are you starting? Because all of you were at some point at some level involved already and you know, obviously you're involved in the schools, you're already talking to students, are you, and their families, are you starting to see a change? Has it already begun, do you think? Or is this something, is this more aspirational for us?
6: Well, I I would tell you, we have already seen early signs. Now remember, this was announced at the end of January, um, but within a very short period of time, I'm going to say 90% of the students at CMSD began the application for the scholarship. we see early indicate maybe even more we see early indicators of fafsa completion we're talking already when kids are at the end of their senior year so we believe that as students know it's coming down the pike from very young right the kids starting your preschool classes will know
3: yeah i would say uh, even more directly than that on january 18th Mm -hmm. we announced sayest education if you recall that was the weekend we all got snowed in Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, over that weekend I was inundated by kids and families who were saying things like, I had a dad who uh, on social media said, Mr. Gordon, I don't understand what the catch is. I heard today that there's a free uh, tuition scholarship for my daughter, can you tell me what the catch is? And I went back and forth with him three or four times that there was no catch and he finally responded, I was just about to move in with my sister in New York where they had free tuition and now I can stay in Cleveland. And that was on the weekend of the announcement. I had a parent come to our board meeting with her six-year-old daughter, who is in first grade, and her uh, son, who is a junior or senior at um, uh, John Hay, has a really rigorous uh, 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 GPA uh, program. And she has told both of her children for her whole life that the only real way they're going to have to get to college is to have really high grades, because she can't help them. She wants to. She simply can't. So her son has a 2.8, except that a 2.8 doesn't get you college scholarships. And so she was starting to worry that she wasn't going to be able to send her son to college. Now, if she had the resources that other families have, including the ability to mortgage your home, which our families don't have the ability to do, she could have sent him to school for 2.8. He'd get accepted. And so by creating a scholarship that uh, Lee mentioned earlier, or Diane mentioned earlier, does not have artificial criteria, but says, if you do what other children do, we will send you to college, he's going to school. Mm-hmm. And she is now not afraid to say to her six-year-old, where do you want to go to college when you, go- when you graduate? And so many of my families have been afraid to say that. So to Lee's point about culture, haven't been talking about it. Um, Those are just two anecdotes of what by literally by the end of that weekend had been hundreds of of anecdotes.
4: So we can say, when you go to college, college. when you go to your program, not if or I can't send you. We can say, when you go.
5: Joe, the day of the launch, I remember I was on stage and afterwards I went and just wanted to get a feel for um, the children and what they thought about it. And I remember going into the media center and this young lady said, wow, I have choices now. She was just going to go do this or that. I can't remember where she was going, but she says, I get to think bigger um, because now I can afford to go somewhere else. Um, So again, uh, education, it's an equalizer, and it also um, eradicates some of those inequities that some of our children um, unfortunately face.
6: Let me add something to this, this is an economic reality. When the economy is robust, Mm. less kids go to college. When the economy is not doing well, a lot of more kids go to college or try, and they will often go to a community college because if they're Pell eligible, that will cover. The reason for that is they get lured by the $10 an hour job that's readily available in a robust economy. And what they can't see is that is a path to long-term poverty. Because $10 an hour is $20,000 a year roughly, and that is not a living wage. And so what happens is if you can't, we, uh, this has also been built to get kids to school right after their senior year. At most one year they can have a gap, at most. Because if you don't get them, They get down the path of life, and they've wound up in a place they didn't mean to go. And this will allow them not to have to do that regardless of economy, et cetera. Because, you know, in the past, if the economy is good and the the bills are too big for college, they just go get a job. Now they don't have that obstacle.
2: Eric, I wanted to ask you a somewhat related question. What's been the reaction from your constituents? You talked a little about families. What about the, uh, the teachers and the staff in the schools? How have they responded to, uh, to say yes?
3: Well, so our faculty have really responded positively. I know that actually members of the Cleveland Teachers Union are here today. Uh, the Cleveland Teachers Union and the Cleveland Council of Administrators and Supervisors have, from the beginning, been engaged in bringing this here and really using this as an opportunity for us to robustly Uh, rethink how we collectively engage in our schools and so one of the things we did uniquely here in cleveland for the first 16 schools is that uh, school was only allowed to apply only after they had gotten a majority vote 75 percent vote of their faculty to the commitment of say yes and i think we had 40 schools that they had to select from Mm -hmm. and we did that literally in uh, we announced in January, educated in February, and they made those choices in March. And I have already got schools reaching out to me saying, when's the application open for the next? Our, our educators have long had an empathy for the challenges that our young people and their families face, and they have worked to try to solve those problems on their own. And what they see and know in this is that finally, a community is coming together to bring the county resources, Mm -hmm. city resources, philanthropic resources around children, and that that they will be able to legitimately point kids and families to places that they can get help for those needs so that they can get focused on learning and teaching. So I would tell you the, the faculty response has been wildly enthusiastic.
4: And I just want to add that we have had participation Um, on all of our task forces, studying how to deliver the best services to our children. We've had participation um, from uh, union members, from the principal's association, from staff in the various buildings. And it is really, it's a wonderful collaboration because they're on the ground, they know what they need, and they can share that with other members of the community. Um, again, I'm going to reference the staff meeting uh, with the family support specialists. And, you know, we go around the room and I say, well, how is it going? How are things in the building? To a person, they say they have been welcomed. They've been welcomed by the leadership in each building and by all the members of the staff. And this is, it's just a great tribute and, again, a wonderful collaboration.
2: All right, Uh, I'm Joe Froelich, Executive Editor at IdeaStream, and today we're at the Global Center for Health Innovation talking about the Say Yes Initiative. Joining us are Diane Downing, Executive Director of Say Yes to Education Cleveland, Lee Friedman, Chief Executive Officer at College Now Greater Cleveland, Eric Gordon, CEO of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, and Dr. Monica Price, Chief of Education for the City of Cleveland. We're now about to begin the audience Q&A. We welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, students, or those of you joining us via our radio broadcast or live stream. If you have a question, please form a line behind the designated microphone stands where City Club staff are standing. Raise your hand, City Club staff, all right. Uh, If you'd like to ask a question via Twitter, you can tweet it at the City Club, and we will try to work it into the program. We want to remind you that your questions should be questions not statements. <laughs> and they should also be brief and to the point so that we can hear from as many voices as possible. Obviously, there's sure there's a, there's a lot of details to this program, but to covers as much as we can. So may we have the first question, please? Right here. Good
4: afternoon. Uh, my name is Merle Johnson. I'm on the Ohio Board of Education. And so often when, um, uh, ac- when ideas are being planned for students, so often students are not in the room. Uh, there are so many. Uh, things going on where adults are making decisions about what will please students and the students don't get to really have a say. So my question is, what role did students uh, have in planning uh, this whole uh, uh, Say Yes to Education project? So
3: uh, Good to see you, Meryl. Um, I would say uh, students have been more engaged here than in any other Say Yes City. Um, One of the things that we needed to do was look at data about where our students are performing from preschool all the way to graduation, um, and those data analytics then come back to the planning group. Before we took any of that data to the planning group, we took it to my student advisory committee, which is 400 students from across the city, 9th through 12th grade, and we presented all of that data to those students and asked them to explain why they thought that these things were happening and what solutions they thought we should be considering in um, planning for it. And so now as the committees are working, they're actually not just looking at the data, they're actually looking at what students said the why behind the data is and ideas generated by students. In addition, now that school's opened, uh, we're inviting two high school students who are in the 16 schools, the six high schools, uh, who have been granted permission by their parents, their teachers, and their principals to have a field trip, essentially, uh, every three weeks in the morning so that they are sitting on the operating team as full voting members of the operating team. Uh, One is a sophomore, one is a junior, so they'll have continuity, and then as they graduate, uh, we'll bring others on. Finally, we also were very intentional in reaching out to a recent graduate, Matthew Moody, uh, who was uh, fully engaged in the planning process as well, bringing his insight as a student of CMSD. So much more than you would have seen in any other community. Um, And I'm really actually very pleased and proud of what the students have engaged.
5: Matthew Moody also serves on the scholarship board as well as the communications committee, so his ongoing engagement in the work
2: over there sir good afternoon I'm Bill Conway and I'm a supporter and very enthusiastic about what you are, d- are doing with say yes I have one question though with respect to my experience in, in business of having a need for employees that are not fully educated and some that and uh, the concern I have is we talk about post-secondary education but most of what I hear about is college Really, what are you doing to address the need of education for people who are better, better served themselves of, of being in some other form of
6: post-secondary education? Thank you Please. very much, Bill. Um, what I can tell you is, and we, you know, college is an easy word. We talk about post-secondary a lot. We are community-wise, say so yes why college now why, focused on education to career, and we know that for some people, college is not their personal choice, not their best fit, and there are wonderful jobs in our community, as a matter of fact, many of them, that do not always require a four-year degree, but they can have a two-year degree or a technical certificate. What we are concerned about is students getting the opportunity to meet what is important to them, just like our children got to have What was important to them? Nobody said, well, you can only go to technical school. It's what is your best fit? And I know, Eric, you have a great. So to
3: to, to extend this a little, so Say Yes to Education does cover technical certificates, two-year and four-year degrees. That does, though, leave a gap for the student who is going right from high school to the workforce or high school micro-credential to the workforce. And so I'm really pleased that with the support of the Cleveland Foundation and the direction of our board chair, Ann Bingham, that we're actually exploring right now career placement services and career pathway services for children who don't choose to go to a technical two-year and four-year degree and have already done some piloting last uh, spring and and into this fall. Um, But this also raises another really important question, because we're often uh, told, well, you know not every child has to go to college, and that is absolutely technically true. But there is often actually another message behind that, which is whose children are permitted to aspire to college and whose are not. And so we have to call the question in this community that every child should have the aspiration, the opportunity to aspire to a full four-year degree if they wish. And then we should have the continuum for those who choose not to, as opposed to kind of the hidden message of your kids, Eric, don't need to go to college while my kid will. So,
2: so we're trying hard to confront. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, One quick follow-up on that. Maybe, maybe Diane. So, so what, if a, what if a young person graduates, decides they want to go into the workforce, and two or three years from now decides they need more training? Can they, can they basically, can they bank their scholarship, or can they, can they come back and get it down the road?
4: They can access their scholarship up to a year after okay. high school graduation. Okay. Mm-hmm. But
6: the good news is, College Now does have additional scholarships for right. adults. Right. We consider anybody over 19 that didn't go right to school an adult, um, and they can certainly come to college now. And if they're interested in those kinds of programs, we have sp- specific funding. We have specific tools to help them find the right fit. And so that is always open. There's obviously you know free service to the public. Anybody that want, needs to come in and get additional education.
7: This is a fabulous program and I thank each (laughs) one of you for the uh, work that you're doing to facilitate its success. So I have two questions. First of all, um, historically I've heard stories about the district's uh, guidance counselors and I don't even know if that's their title anymore but they have been fairly narrow in the pathways that they have been offering to their students in terms of careers. So as a result of this program, has there been any more rigor, either in the school district or Lee with College Now, to expose our students to the wide variety of possibilities, not only for today's jobs, but for tomorrow's jobs, and not just our high school students, but even our much younger middle and elementary school students, so that they can really have a much broader scope of what the possibilities are. Second question is, you have this uh, captive audience of people here, many of whom I think would probably like to do some volunteer with you. So do any of you have any needs to help uh, facilitate or sustain the program's success?
4: Well, I'm gonna jump in on the um, second question first. (laughs) So, uh, The answer is (laughs) yes. The answer is yes. Um, There are different ways to serve, but one of the most important is to finish our fundraising for our scholarship dollars. We need $125 million to uh, secure these last dollar tuition scholarships for 25 years or two generations of our students. Uh, Right now, we've raised about 70%. Um, We have had incredible support from the corporate and philanthropic community We've had historic gifts from organizations and individuals. But we need to keep going. So uh, we have a very active scholarship fundraising committee. Um, They uh, will let you know later how you can contribute. But that is certainly one way. If you are interested, if you are moved by this program, we want it to be fully funded. Uh, and we want to do that within the next two or three years there are also volunteer opportunities say yes is based on task forces so we had six task forces going uh, this for the last several months we're going to we took a little break over the summer but we're going to begin meeting again this fall um, and we're going to create some new task forces around educational specific educational issues Um, You can get in touch with me uh, if you're interested in volunteering for those efforts. Um, It's uh, ddowning at sayyes and we are happy to include everyone there. We want everyone who is interested and can spend the time to be part of this work.
3: So I'm going to build on that and use number two to go back to number one as well. So um, in addition to that, uh, we, this community uh, stood up, in, as they always do, as we always do, to get mentors for the college mentorship program. Uh, but we have to remind ourselves that we're going to graduate another 2,200 kids next year and they will also need mentors. And so keeping in mind, we, keep, we have to keep building that mentor core through College Now Greater Cleveland. Um, And while we have sufficient mentors for this year, we can't lull ourselves and say we did it. This is a 25 year strategy. But also to the question of broadening the uh, awareness and impact of career pathways, uh, we started a program called True to You, uh, which is actively seeking mentors now. And there's actually a table outside uh, where we have uh, two adults with every uh, uh, 12 eighth graders across the city where they are exploring through the entire uh, uh, year, who are they, what do they care about, what are they interested in, what pathways are available to them, how to select one of our 36 high school programs that match those pathways, Um, and we need those adult mentors as well. College Now and the district uh, cross-trained all of our counselors and advisors together uh, around say yes so that's another way we're trying to broaden the message and then we're exploring opportunities like uh, get worker fit uh, that uh, that we've looked at at Ginn Academy and some others which is actually tools that help students find a profile of interest and unpack jobs that are related but they may not hit have even thought of uh, so we're really working hard to broaden our career interest scope so that uh, kids are exposed to things that they may never have heard of in a more traditional mm-hmm. sense
6: I'd like to just add, thank, thank you. Eric, that, I mean, we are working on this education to career thing, as you've heard, together. I want to say one more word about our mentoring program. Um, sometimes when you hear the word mentor, it can sound, geez. you know, I don't know if I have time to do that. Maybe it's a daily thing or a weekly thing. The College Now mentoring program, which has been uh, around now for seven or eight years, is an email-based mentoring program, and there's a curriculum behind it The College Now rights. So essentially the obligation is two emails a, a month with your mentee who's at college and by the way doesn't, want, doesn't have the time for you anyway. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just like your own kids. And a couple in person meetings and then we host some events uh, for, for people that are able to access them. I can't stress enough how important this is for our students. Back to the social capital builds and my board chairman, Mark Ross, is sitting here. And how many people have you now hired through the mentoring pipeline? Three, something like that. We're, the program just started graduating people. The retention and completion rates are improved tremendously. And we come to your offices. We have c- people coming from 450 companies. This is another way to get involved. Madeline Reif, raise your hand. She runs our mentoring program. I have a whole team over there.
3: They're Madeline. They will come to
6: your Facilities, talk about this mentoring program and sign people up. We have 1,600 pairs that are launching right now. That's 3,200 people we're managing. Next year, we expect that to grow way up as we scale this up. You know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors, we're going to need a lot more. Eventually, we think we'll need 3,500 pairs. So, if anybody in the audience is interested, again, we don't need them this year, but we are going to start very soon on recruitment, literally, very soon. So if you have an opportunity for us to come talk to the people in your offices, remember, it costs nothing. They can do it from Abu Dhabi if they need to. So um, we appreciate the consideration for that, too, and all the support you've all given us so now.
3: My mom's doing it from Pittsburgh, so you can yeah. do it. From- <laughs> <laughs>
4: Colin.
5: Good afternoon, I'm Colleen Cotter with the Legal Aid Society of Cleveland. And I think uh, the focus, thank you Eric. Um, the focus of a lot of the conversation about Say Yes has been around the scholarships and the fundraising around the scholarships and that is clearly incredibly wonderful. Uh, but you mentioned earlier the uh, the importance of social services in this model. Mm-hmm. So if you could talk a little bit more about why Say Yes has identified support for families throughout the child's education as key to the success of Say Yes and how that is being implemented here in Cleveland, both in terms of how that's being deployed and where is the money for that coming from?
4: Thanks for that question. Um, And Colleen, thanks to you, Legal Aid, and the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association. Um, As many know, uh, those two organizations are gonna be providing uh, the conduit for legal services for our students and their families in the first cohort of schools. And they are taking on uh, that financial burden, uh, and we appreciate that. We also appreciate the number of volunteers from the Cleveland Metropolitan Bar Association who will be helping our students and our families. None of this work can be done uh, with in isolation. It has to involve the whole family, the student and all of the members of that, that house, that family, um, because all of these issues are family issues. So that's why we look to supporting social services that get at that, that raise up the student and raise up the family at the same time. That's the real game changer um, for Cleveland. Um, And I also want to give a shout out in terms of funding to Cuyahoga County, to the county executive, Armin Budish, and county council, as well as CMSD and the school board, because we are paying the salaries of our family support specialists through monies that they have allocated. Um, it's Title IV-E uh, monies uh, at the county and an allocation from the district, and this is this is how we've braided together funding for these very essential services at our first cohort of schools. So it's the community identifying funding, and then putting it together for say yes.
2: I I would, let me say, Monica, mind. you were, you were a principal and a teacher. How right. would this? these wraparound services, the secret sauce, some people say, how would that have made a difference in the schools where you work?
5: Well, it would make a difference, frankly, in any urban setting, let's just say. Uh, The core services, be it not for, that is the number one focus, uh, it should be, frankly, in in this initiative, be it not for the core services, our young people cannot even aspire to whatever their potential might entail. And so when I think of the core services, I think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And anyone who's gone through undergrad, either sociology or psychology, we think about that hierarchy, those physiological, those basic needs and and thinking about food, shelter, um, belongingness, love, safety, and security. And our young people, face trauma, they endure that, and so do their families. And so it becomes very difficult for them to go to school and attend, and just be focused enough to learn. Um, maybe they haven't eaten, maybe they've been evicted, which is why this is so key and important, but the mental and social health services as well are important. And um, so again, that, that's, that is important, but the family support specialists um, we have a um, what I would say um, a role that's akin to that in our recreation centers. And so we have 22 recreation centers in our city and we have trauma coaches in those. And, and it, I think we instituted that last year, maybe two years ago, and it just so happened it is aligned with not only family support specialists, but their county counterparts. We actually brought them all together in an inaugural um, meeting on July 26. So we have a plan for them to um, integrate and align their processes and their systems so that each one of those entities are speaking to one another. And I think of it as a cyclical continuum of services for our young people. Many of them who attend the CMSD schools also frequent our recreation center. So it's like everyone coming together. I know many of you call it wraparound services. So looking at it, core support services or wraparound services for our young people so that they can realize their self-actualization.
3: Joe can I just quickly I know time is precious but I want to give one specific example and particularly around why legal services because I think many people might wonder why legal services of everything so I have a young man that I mentor who uh, jumped on the health line and did not pay the $2.25 bus ticket and he was wrong um, but it's an honor system and he took his chance and he got busted and so he ended up in our system so, if you think about what you would do if your teenager had gotten busted for a $2.25 bus ticket, you'd have intervened and you'd have solved the problem. He ended up with a $5,000 warrant for his arrest for a bus ticket. And had I not found out, um, and I found out really at the ninth hour, he'd have been sitting 60 in county for a bus ticket. That's why we need legal services and the health services and the mental health services. So I just wanted to give a one real example because it's easy, theoretically, to wonder why do we need these things. Little, tiny disruptions make huge pain points for our kids and families when you don't have the capital and the social capital that other families have.
0: Good afternoon. Um, my name is Barry Doggett. We're the fourth city. Uh, what have we learned from the first three about the potholes that we should be trying to avoid? You wanna start?
6: Yeah, I will say this for Say Yes, they are the first to tell you this is an iterative process. Um, They started this work um, in Syracuse without implementing the entirely full model as they would describe it. And as they've moved from city to city, they have one, refined the models Um, so that they've created more corners and edges and lessons learned. and That's been helpful. But the second thing, and I think this is what's really important, is that Sayas National understands this is Cleveland's work. This is unique to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Our city may be similar to Buffalo in particular, not so similar I don't think to Guilford County. I don't know about Syracuse as much. But this is Cleveland's work. We own it. Mm And we actually get to shape it quite a bit. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons they learned. We have remarkable um, local control. And I do want to give a shout out, by the way, to the so many people here, especially the staffs and the leadership of our local foundations that really put all the intellectual capital into helping us get to this place. Uh, apart from the, the you know philanthropy, I, I do want to make sure we had a chance to say that but I think that's really the thing is we get to run this out of Cleveland the Cleveland way mm-hmm. so that would be my point
3: yeah and I would just add um, Buffalo is the second city it's about 10 years old now and is the city that looks most like us if you haven't been to Buffalo it is our younger sister they even built their own version of the Shoreway to cut their lake <laughs> off from the city yeah. um, <laughs> you know, so, but so it truly is the most like us and it's also the their part. most successful what it told me is that we can close the gap of their 10 years of work in half the time and twice as well. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it.
2: Right. Okay. Tom.
0: Uh, Leadership Cleveland and uh, City Club member Tom Barris, former Channel 3 reporter. Um, question probably largely for Eric. Uh, uh, you have said that a, a specific grade point requirement is not uh, necessary uh, to, to get one of these uh, scholarships. But we all know that system-wide the city of Cleveland's schools have perform somewhere between uh, disappointing and appalling on state report cards for whatever value that has. What difference do you think having this program in place and the incentive for students to just apply themselves more and do better and have the support system, what impact do you think it will have on the system's performance uh, on state report cards given the fact the state keeps moving the goalposts every year?
3: Yeah, well, so um, on the report card, it depends on what the report card is. To your point, it changes every year. More, more specifically, though, to your question, Tom, um, the Cleveland plan has proven that we can move the needle. And while we have a long way to go, we have improved every single year. And I expect on the report card on September 12th, you'll see improvement again. What um, the mayor has said very directly is this is the logical next step. So we've shown that we can do it under the harshest circumstances that our kids and our community face. Now, let's make those circumstances less harsh, and we will be able to accelerate that rate of change over the next several years. Um, And to the uh, GPA uh, issue, I do want to be really clear. It's not that we shouldn't aspire for high performance for kids, uh, but really we have students who do not return to college because they got a 2.9 in college and they needed a 3.0 to return, while there are people paying their own tuition who have a 2.1 and come back. So that's why the grade point matters in a specific way not because we sh- can't and shouldn't aspire to really high results for our kids so do you, you expect the
0: system will inspire students i mean captain obvious observation here but to do better and overall get more out of the education it's being offered
3: i already see it so i was at oh perry yesterday i asked the students um, the students in the room to stand up if they plan on going to college and you know I knew the middle school students would the kindergartners did, the first graders did stood up because they now know they're going to college and so I talked about and actually the Voinovich family were there and were so elegant about the importance of doing well in K-8 schools so that they can go to college I'm already seeing differences in behavior and we're in the second week of school
2: Okay, over here sir
3: Hi, I'm Sanjay Garg. My wife, Mala, and I are very involved in mentoring and education of
6: children from underprivileged uh, uh, families. One of the things we've observed is that a very important factor in the success of the child is that someone within their family or at home is interested in their education and is setting expectations.
3: So my question is, as part of Say Yes or as part of CMSD, is there any initiative to reach out to the caregiver or the family member at home and train them on how important their role is in the child's education and how they can fulfill that role, thanks. Yeah, so um, first of all, I would say that our families and caregivers desperately know the importance of education for their kids. Whether they have the same capacities as others to support is a a legitimate question. Um, But I can name in my 26th career a 26-year career, five times I've encountered a family I think just truly didn't care for their children. They're sending the best child they got. They're not keeping their great children home. Um, they really they, they care. Um, what we have to do is to create all of the opportunities and tools. Over last school year, 90 percent of the families in CMSD had meaningful engagements with their teachers and their ch- children at school as reported by our teachers so there's a misnomer in our community that somehow our families don't care aren't engaged Um, and so i just want to say that out loud and i know you know that but i want to say that for this audience Having said that, one of the things we're really excited about and doing that no other SayS city has done is we are taking the 14 steps of being on track or off track and actually linking parent resources to those steps so that as we're working with families and we say, how is your child doing on third grade readiness, you actually have all of these resources that are connected to SayS as a standard for third grade readiness. And we're working on that work already right now uh, as a start, all of our CIS schools will actually be getting uh, parent folders where they can actually keep the important materials about their children's uh, uh, success and progress on the measures that follow it. So we're using this, like, uh, like I said earlier, we're using this to work with CTU and the CCAS and the district to really reorient about this pathway and help it be very clear and very visible for our families. And we're really excited about that.
4: And I should say that that post-secondary planning system is part of Say Yes National's uh, work. And as Eric said, it will help our families and our parents to know, know how children are achieving.
2: All right, I believe we have reached the end of, uh, of our discussion.
1: Today at the City Club, we've been at the Global Center for Health Innovation. We've been talking about the Say Yes Cleveland initiative. Joining us have been Diane Downing, Executive Director for Say Yes Cleveland, Lee Friedman, Chief Executive Officer at College Now Greater Cleveland, Eric Gordon, CEO of the Cleveland Metropolitan School District, and Dr. Monica Price, Chief of Education for the City of Cleveland. Our moderator has been Ideastream's Executive Editor, Joe Frilich. Let's give them a round of applause. Today's forum is presented by the College Now Greater Cleveland with additional support from PNC. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, Ms. Downing, Ms. Friedman, Mr. Gordon and Ms. Price. Thank you, Mr. Frolick, for moderating. And thank you, members and friends of the City Club. This forum is now adjourned.
0: For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC and the Raskin Family Fund, with additional funding from Robert Conrad, Cleveland State University. The Chautauqua Institution, the Cleveland Clinic, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.